wrestling is hard, where every side is the dark side of the ring. <laughs> I forgot about that. I did not. First up is the man responsible for AW, Brandon. Hello. Hello, Jim. Good to finally see both of you in person a few days ago. So Yeah, we had a good time. A lot of burgers. It was delicious. Chris, he's the man assigned the task of NXT. How are you? What's up, guys? And I'm Jim, and I'll talk about as many Japanese promotions as I can handle in a week, including New Japan this week. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at hard number four wrestling. Subscribe and follow. Tell your friends. First up, it was a big show this weekend. Let's start with AEW Dynamite, Brandon. What do you got? What was the good shit coming out of this? Uh, positives from the show. I, I continue to enjoy Miro. One thing uh, that stood out for me on this episode of Dynamite, uh, this kid Dante Martin from Top Flight. Top Flight is talented. I called him out before, I think, among some of the young guys. He's one of the better ones. I like that they got him in there in this spot, even though you everyone knew it was coming. Uh, it shows that they recognize that. The crowd's chanting, Miro's going to kill you. That's pretty much what happens. But uh, I, en- I enjoy Miro every time he's on TV, and I was happy to see that kid get acknowledged for being good. Um, Hikaru Shida bringing in the new belt, uh, finally getting a moment in front of the fans as a champion. I feel like she's going to have one of the most overlooked uh, title reigns. It's quietly been over a year uh about as tough of a spot as you could possibly get put in and she's helped you know really steer this women's division that they're kind of building out of thin air in the right direction uh going into this pay-per-view so those are two of my main things other than that jade cargill uh looks crazy every time she's on tv uh she's still pretty green struggles on the mic but i mean i can kind of see her as a believable um strong person on the show coming up here despite some of that stuff so i mean i like that they're investing in some of these young people that as i watch for the course of seven eight months i think have more potential than others and i'm starting to see them get called out but uh those are my positives you guys have anything yeah it's a good point about jade cargill man she um you know at times it's kind of it looks a little rough around the edges but um she definitely looks like someone that looks like a superstar you know what i mean she just got to clean it up a little bit chris any thoughts you're on mute, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I, I did, it didn't matter that I was on mute because I had nothing to add to this conversation <laughs> about Dynamite. I don't, cool. I, I, you know, usually usually we don't cover them too much if they're going into a pay-per-view because they're kind of the dead show. So uh, I didn't really yeah. go out of my way to see this one. I thought this one was a little bit more fun because it was kind of, if you could feel like an energy in the crowd that was there. Maybe they were really excited for this pay-per-view, being that they only have six or four of them, and WWE has one every week or every month, so it's kind of like, meh. Uh, Chris, did you miss uh, Miro's Gonna Kill You chance? Gonna Kill You chance. What do you mean, did I miss them? Uh, a couple of weeks ago, you said how much you <laughs> couldn't stand them. It's, it's, yeah, I know, I know. I'm, I'm, it's dumb. I'm glad I didn't see it. I mean... <laughs> It's not like angry. It's just like, oh, we're doing this again. Cool. Yeah. All right. What else you got for this show? I got some. I got some points. But go ahead, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, I kept it pretty short here because we got enough AEW to talk about. But uh, they do a weigh-in. Uh, it went on for an extended <laughs> oh amount of time. This Somehow was they so bad. They both weigh the same amount. Um, there's about 25 people in the ring from the Nightmare family, Cody Rhodes' actual family. I don't know what kind of like 
belt they're implying that they need to be weighed in to compete for or what the point is just to show you that they're that they're the same size as i i can't remember the time i saw weigh in for a, a pro wrestling match but went on for a long time what do you think joe paul white does not know how to use the scale and also um yeah. He te- he's openly telling the guys in the ring, like, keep still. This thing keeps fucking moving because you guys are jumping around. <laughs> he says, he's like, well, if you guys keep still, this go a lot faster. <laughs> yeah, this is terrible. This was absolutely terrible. I don't know what the point of it was. It was like 20 minutes long. It was so stupid. Chris, thoughts? So they had a weigh-in for a match for nothing. Just because mm. two dudes don't like each other. American pride, Chris. American pride. Well, okay, still. Away in for a match for nothing, uh, no stakes, I should say, and no weigh-ins for any of the matches that were for titles, no. which was every match on the card other than <laughs> one and yeah. that one, if I'm not mistaken, right? There were no like, there, oh, two, two, two of the matches the, plus Adam that matches, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. So it'd be Adam Page and Sting and 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 Cody Rhodes, but the other guys they didn't weigh in. I liked um no I didn't like this actually I'm gonna pretend I did though um Q T Marshall um goes that um Ogogo is gonna win because he has a one pound advantage like what what was that for teen like who was that for who was gonna pop to that like ha 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 that was funny God it's fucking he's terrible man and any other shit to talk about on the show Well Bischoff comes out uh that was probably a big deal for them you know. I, in my opinion, I put it as a negative because AEW we give them, them some crap for uh, toting that line between trying to be different and just rehashing stuff that already happened. I felt like they this was a story that they could have easily told without involving Eric Bischoff. But uh, the story that they're trying to tell was you know Chris Jericho's inner circle could be ending here Sunday night. So who better to do that than I guess a guy that he hasn't worked with in in 20 years from from WCW that. Any anybody under the age of 25 probably doesn't even really realize that they have anything to do with each other, but that's what we do. Yeah, so. I, was in, I was in full fast forward mode during this part, so especially once uh, skipping through, <laughs> and then then I saw uh, MJF and I skipped through the whole thing. I was like, I don't I don't care. Tell your own story. That's it. Let's move on. Yeah, let's move on. Let's move know. on to the Double or Nothing show. So I'm gonna go through it. We'll go through the cards because we were together to watch this. We had our ups, we had our downs, and by 11.30, we were ready to jump off a bridge because this show was so long and went on so late. So let's start off with the pre-show. We got Serena Deeb, who is the NWA champ, defeated Riho via submission. Brandon, were you en route, or did you catch this match? Caught the back half of it, so yeah. uh, I think Serena Deeb ended up, ended up winning this. She did win. She uh, defended her title yeah. in a, I think the match was, oh, I got the time up. 14 minutes. It felt like a little longer than that. This was probably the best technical match on the show, I think, even though it was on the pre-show. It was a lot of fun. Both of these women can work their asses off. And um, Riho had some decent offense in, and Serena Deeb worked her leg. And it was a good story, and it was told, and the right person won, the NWA champ. Chris, thoughts? Yeah. I'm sorry, Brandon. Go ahead. Yeah, I... I think what this was supposed to do was get the crowd going right you know the sun's still up the show's about to start and it did that a technical match not a not a ton of story behind it between the two but you don't necessarily need that for that spot um, i mean if I you go they, back to the story the story is that um serena deeb lost to Riho in the women's tournament and serena deeb had a whether it was real or not had some type of injury 
and Rio beat her. So she got her win back. Right. But that's not a story. You know what I mean? That's a good story. More Makes story sense. than just throwing a bunch of people into a ring and saying, hey, this is for a chance, a shot at the title. Let's bring out a surprise entrant. Chris, did you catch any of this? Or were you... Uh, no, no, you and I watched this. Yes, um, yes. So, you know, this was just a good match. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm really a big fan of Serena Deeb. Um, I'm a big fan of technical wrestling, for lack of a better way to put it. Um, when I was kind of going through this today, like I, I actually went on Wikipedia to look at the matches, matches and rehash what I thought of each one. And I thought of something, you know... I think they really missed an opportunity here. Uh, this match should – you had this on a pre-show on YouTube. It, you could have used that spot. This pay-per-view was so long, and we'll get into it. And a number of matches were, in my opinion, too long. There's no reason that this this match didn't start the pay-per-view. I don't understand why that didn't happen when I'm looking at it in hindsight. Like, it didn't matter when we were watching it. But then when you get the whole picture, I'm kind of looking back at it. I'm like, what was on that card that they couldn't have chopped That's, two minutes off of this, I'm, three minutes know, off got, of that, four minutes off of that? Yeah, I just, I'm looking at the card right now, and I've got the Wikipedia site up. None of these matches, one match was over 30 minutes, and that was the Stampede. But it was just over 30 minutes. A lot of these matches were under 20 minutes. So you okay. start getting into this thing where it's like, I I look at the list, and we're going to go through the list. A lot of these didn't – it's hard to pick one to say that should have been on the pre-show instead. Like, what are you going to Are you going to stick Adam Page and Brian Cage on the pre-show? No, you couldn't do that because you told a story. You could have given us a ton of guys that weren't on the pay-per-view. Right. Maybe something there. You could have done a number of different things. Or you could have just eliminated that this battle royal that they have every year that is totally a dud. Yeah, it's a complete dud. Right. I don't know. It was, it was a great match. I, I, say great out, ma- I definitely say go out of your way to catch it because it was it was really good women's wrestling, which is hard to find on in AEW. It's been better, especially in the last few months. But uh, this match was uh, top notch. One of their best matches, probably technically, that they've had. And I guess now that we're we're talking about it, uh, and I'm thinking about it, it's you got it for free. So if you didn't want to get the pay per view, you could at least watch that match, which gives them some free exposure, which is pretty good too. Yeah, so it was great. And and the crowd was hot as shit too. They were freaking out for this match. All right, let's move on to the next one. Singles match: Adam Page defeated Brian Cage. Go ahead for in twelve minutes. Brandon, go ahead. Yeah, I think looking back on it, um, at this point in the night, we were still somewhat optimistic. Uh, kept the energy going. Um, you could tell Adam Page is ever with the fans, even though he feels like he's in purgatory. Uh, since at some point in the last couple months, they moved away from pitting him against Omega. Uh, Cage gets bit in the ass by his own team. He wants to win fair and square, and gets turned around, and gets hit with that buckshot lariat. I don't, <clears throat> I don't think this is a, is bad booking um, because he's trying not to cheat. We talked about this last week. Like, hey, even if you're going to be the heel in a match, like not being a total scumbag and winning by at all costs at all times, not a bad thing. Uh, Team Taz feels particularly aimless right now. I think this puts Cage in a spot where he could uh, leave them and look better than he has with them. Uh, there were some big spots in this, but I, I think it worked. You know, we could talk about the timeline, the structure of the card all night. This is probably something that didn't need to happen on this pay-per-view. But uh, at this time in the evening, I was still like, okay, two in a row, not bad. This was this was definitely the match that you look at the card and you were like, well, this one could have been in the pre-show, but you get it's like flip flop between the Serena Deeb and Riho match in that one, I think, in my opinion. Chris, go ahead. Thoughts? 
Yeah, I got one word, uh, snoozer. I mean, this was what it was. Uh, definitely not the match. I think when we were watching it, uh, I, I w- once we got into the Bucks and uh, Kingston and Mox, I said these matches should have been flip flopped. It, it, it kind of that, and that's why I'm kind of saying that Serena Deeb match probably would have been a better opener mm. because there was no, it was this didn't not energize the crowd whatsoever. You figure the Serena Deeb and Riho match. Probably, maybe not for AEW because their fans are so diehard. So they're probably already all in the building. But you think of that one that was on the pre-show is probably the one that's on while you're walking in to your seat. Right. And everybody's arguing, you're in my seat, I'm in your seat. Is this the right section? You know how it goes down every Which we actually saw. We did see that. Two people. Yeah, it goes down. Three people walking in front of the camera and looking for their seats. I, I think I think I remember the last time we went to something and guys tried doing that to us and I was like, look, you're in the wrong spot and none of this is my problem. Can you please get out of my face? <laughs> like, but it's um, the, the, when after I watch this and then there's the disruption in Team Taz at the end of it, and I think back to the beginning of Team Taz. Team Taz is essentially, in my opinion, DOA. It, it, it never seemed like it was much of anything they bring brian cage in as this ftw champion fine and then they in in what was the fashion of AEW at the time bring in this killer and then just have him lose immediately which was just kind of odd and if you take brian cage out of team taz there's nobody there i think that they need i think that brian cage is easily a either side of the fence good guy bad guy maybe tweener like Ricky Starks is the heel of that team. Ricky Starks is oh, a heel. He should be the heel of that team. I love Taz, and he's got his kid in it. Is there any other members between besides the three of them? Powerhouse. Powerhouse. Oh, Powerhouse Hobbs. Okay, so yeah, so you can move Brian Cage over and have him do something else, and then Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky and Ricky Starks are the, you know, with Powerhouse Hobbs being the meat of the team, the heater. Go ahead. Right, but if you if you have those guys, which is fine. I mean, that will work. Power, uh, what's his name is is great as a heel, Ricky Starks. I mean, he's a fantastic heel. But these guys are not the faction. These guys are the faction that are fighting in the first match of the pay-per-view. Right. That's for the, a while, yeah. these characters build up. Yeah. Brian Cage, maybe just because of the way he looks, may be that guy that could kind of pull that up further higher on the card. But you take him out of that picture, and they immediately become a faction. Not a bad faction. I'm not saying that they're shit. But what I'm saying is, is without this ridiculous-looking human being, they are something that you're kind of building from scratch. So they're going to be at the bottom of the card for a while until they start to gain some steam with these characters that nobody really, really knows. Right. Brandon, go ahead. I completely agree with you. Um, given what's going on and what I'm half imagining is happening, that Kenny Omega is going, I'm not turning the, the belt over anytime soon. Get Adam Page out of here. I'm going to, I'm going to fight Orange Cassidy instead. Adam Page has left uh aimless in the organization he's he had a match against a guy who can lose five times in a row and will the sixth time look like he should win again he's so crazy looking he can kind of get away with it um and it, it i thought it it worked from a booking perspective for given these weird circumstances that i'm imagining that these two guys are in i, I but, you know yeah one great. thing one thing that was impressing impressive was when adam page and brian cage were in the ring together that adam page is like two inches taller than brian cage which is like, holy shit. And then you look it up and you're like, oh shit, Adam Page is like fucking six foot six. Like he's a big ass fucking dude. Yeah, I had no idea of that. Yeah. 
All right, you uh, yeah. want to move on? Yes. Okay, for the tag team championship, the AEW World Tag Team Championship, we had the challengers, Eddie Kingston and John Moxley, lost to the Young Bucks, Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson. Go ahead, Brendan. Yeah, Wild Thing intro hit pretty hard. Kingston coming out with the Chico's Bail Bonds Bad News Bears jersey was a home run. Yeah. I think it was this might have been this his first time in front of the crowd too. I didn't wasn't thinking about that at the time, but uh, when I was trying to jot down my notes, I'm like, I think he got signed during the pandemic, so he got a big pop. That I was pretty hyped for this coming into it. Um, but this is where we start to get into the like, what could we have edited out of this pay per view? But the first 15 minutes of this match were entertaining. Uh, we were all talking about how we were legit pissed if the Young Bucks win, which I think counts for something. Then they just went into this weird like last six seven minutes where. I don't I didn't timestamp any of this, but it's like felt like six, seven minutes where they were just overtly cheating while Eddie Kingston hung out on the ropes. This, that was and we were confused. That was the yeah, like this match was fucking awesome. The first 15 minutes. Then the referee just standing around watching while Eddie Kingston looks like a dope, not interfering was just took a giant poop on this fucking match. Yeah, and then they, I think they hit, it was like the BTE trigger like four or five times in a row on Moxley, and it just kind of like, at least it, amongst the three of us, the wind got sucked out of the room, and then it just kind of ended in, uh, like, put us out of our misery. This is going on for too long, and this isn't making less sense. Uh, yeah, strangely unenergetic finish, and the Young Bucks win, so. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, it's funny because, like, I have these matches all listed as to what I thought was good and what I thought was shit. <laughs> And I actually have this match listed as good. Yeah, same here. Because in my, well, I, but in my swirling miasma of a conscience, I, I, I forgot about the cheating part. Oh my god! Until you just brought that up, and I'm thinking, like, I remember when we were watching, we're like, I, you know, we're we're yelling at it, like, why, why? Once again, who looks stupid in all this? It's Eddie Kingston. He looks like a fucking idiot again. I don't understand this. So then they have this match. That, so first of all, we were talking about it last week. Okay. Kingston and Mox lose this match. Where do they go? Right. Right. How does like, cause I think they successfully lost everything that they've tried to do. Right. So Mox loses the barbed wire match. Then he loses what would be considered to be. All right. So I lost to the guy in your faction. Who's at the top. Right now, if you're the tag team champions, right? So you have, if, let's think in old school WWE, just, just, just for, you know, for argument's sake, you have champion, you have whatever the next one is, right? Intercontinental TV, US, whatever you have in that spot. That's the second spot. And then like a little bit further down the line, you would have the tag team, the tag team division. You're good. You have a belt. You're important, but you're not really that important. So you're like the third man on the totem pole or that. Well, now with these guys, you have the two belts, you have the championship and then you have the tag team championships in your faction. I can't beat you. And then I fight the two guys that are below you and I can't beat them. So like, who do they go fight? Yes. Yeah, I, 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 this was really odd. And it's like, okay, well, you know, we'll see where they go with this. But at the same time, the way that they had them lose Cheat in front of the ref for extended periods of time. No interference or anything. Just no interference. Cheating. You just stand on the side of the ring. 
no, I'm cheating, and the other guy's blocking the other good guy from coming in. But no, no, no. no. Let me let me interject. No, let me interject. Let me interject. The referee did not. There was no blocking. Eddie Kingston just stood on the ring, on the apron, with his arm out, waiting for a tag. It was well, so fucking stupid. Yeah, that's what I was. That's what I was getting to. It's like it's like it's. There's no strategic. We're gonna keep him out there by distracting the ref or getting in his way or whatever. No, it's we're just gonna blatantly cheat in front of the fucking ref. The ref's gonna stand there for two minutes with his hands going up and down, pointing, and then the other guy is just standing there watching. This is shit writing and <laughs> shit creativity at its fucking best. All they needed to well, do. Well, remember he. Go ahead. Well, remember he was a shoe ref. He only cared about the shoe. That was the only time he inserted himself. Yeah. When, the, when the aerosol came, when the aerosol can came out, that's no big deal. Yeah, he plunks he plunks Moxley yeah. in the head with the aerosol aerosol can. He doesn't give a shit. When the guy's got the shoe on the top rope, he's like, "Oh, get that shoe out of here." Very dangerous. Sneakers are dangerous in this ring. This was this was a this was like this was like backyard wrestling logic. And we were legit, like, I was hype. I was invested in this match. I thought it was fucking fun. And then as soon as that cheating ass spot happened, you're just like, none of this makes sense. Unless down the line, they're like, it was all to try to screw over Moxley and Kingston's an evil mastermind suddenly. But it, there's no indication of that. No. And, yeah, I mean, it's like it went from him dragging whatever Jackson outside of the ring and stuffing streamers down his throat which was amazing to, <laughs> which was yeah, amazing. to a five amazing. minute a five minute cheat spot like i mean like all you had to do was knock the ref over yeah it really i mean we've been watching or do the old do the enough. old could, you know hey he's trying to get in the ring and then the ref goes over and yeah, it's like i'm a dumb ref of, no it was just it was just uh knees to the face and knees to the face and knees to the face and the ref just not doing anything, and then his partner just not doing anything. So, uh, yeah, this was lazy shitbag fucking creativity uh, and at, one its, of, at its best or one worst. worst. One, of its, <laughs> one of the things that, like, drives me nuts about this, and, you know, we can sit here and say, like, oh, well, we don't really like the Young Bucks. Maybe they're doing their job right. It doesn't hurt the Young Bucks at all to lose here. John Moxley's one of the biggest wrestling stars on the planet right now. So you lose yeah. to John Moxley. You can win it back next week. It doesn't make a difference. I don't know. Right. It just made no sense. The end of this match made no sense. Brandon, final thoughts on this match? Yeah, I think the final thought is just like, not only was it all of the things that you guys said, but it was lagging towards the end where we're starting to be like, all right, we're an hour in here. This match had its climax. It felt like we had the resolution. It's not resolving itself, and we're just dragging on with this with this cheating. And you know, I think that trended for a while there. Uh, through this pay where we're like, okay, when is this? Not only do I not care about this ending, I'm I'm annoyed, but when is it going to end? I think it's gonna. I think we're getting this again. I think down the line we're gonna get this match up again. Maybe with no holds barred. Maybe some kind of cage match, something like that. But I don't think it would make, make sense, sense out of because this. Every, yeah, <laughs> even that doesn't make sense because every time there's like no DQ, anything, you just get a ton of cheating from one side. Right. Even more so. So it's like yeah, eight eight hundred run-ins. Yeah. Oh, we did get a run-in, didn't we? we got the the uh, the Good yeah, Brothers. Did they run? My in? favorite dude. Yeah, they ran yeah. in. Yeah, that was good though because yeah, they, the they ran in, and then that was it. No, somebody stopped them on the ramp, but I can't remember who it was. Was it the Dark World? Carl Anderson. Yes, I 
I don't know. I don't know. These dudes I, all blend I, together. I, <laughs> I thought he came in during the Omega match, but I don't oh, know. Oh, maybe that's what it was, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Not at all I don't remember. together. Okay, let's move on. The Casino Battle Royale in that juicy spot right after this tag match for a future AEW World Championship. A bunch of dudes. Jungle Boy won by eliminating Christian Cage. Brandon, good. Yeah, I think we, before the match, like, is it going to be Andrade? Is it going to be Andrade? Jimmy was calling it out. Once you watch that match for about 10 minutes, I, I quickly realized it's not going to be Andrade because this is this is such pig slop that they're not building to, towards any interesting reveal. And, oh, yeah, real uh, quick. Leo... Oh, sorry, let me cut you off. Real quick, um, there's every time they have one of these, if you're listening at home, every time they have one of these, there's a Joker card. Everything's based on suits. We had to figure out the rules. As we went along, I've watched these three times now. I still don't know what the fucking rules are. So there's all these suits, and the Joker card is the final reveal, and it's always a surprise. And the surprise was, go ahead, Brandon. Leo Rush comes out. Uh, Bobby Lashley's former hype man, uh, NXT wrestler. You know, not a, not by any means a disliked wrestler, but not really getting a pop. And if he needed some help probably to get some hype in AEW. Instead, he gets instantly fired out of the ring, I think, by Matt Hardy. About, <laughs> yes, about 30 seconds after he shows to, up. He's going to feud with Matt Hardy, who was probably the most entertaining part of this match was his inability to move his hips. Yeah, I think that was probably the, the biggest pop of the night amongst the three of us was was focusing on Matt Hardy throughout this battle royale and how, how much he struggled to just – Balances the weight of his upper half of his body onto his his legs. <laughs> Dead legs. <laughs> oh man. And, uh, Go ahead, Brandon. I, I'll just wrap it up, and you guys say your thoughts. I think it, the only thing they probably did right here is you know lead in some of this young talent. If you want to build your own show, Christian, I felt like a foregone conclusion, but they give it to Jungle Boy. So well, we'll see something different, I guess. So yeah, I think it was just, this was a good move. We all know that Christian Cage is going to fight Omega eventually. He'll just beat everybody else, and Jungle Boy wins, and he's going to get fed to Omega. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, um, surprise ending, which was cool. I didn't think Jungle Boy was going to win. Um, I liked that, but the entire match was a complete cluster. Uh, it was just a, it was just a fucking mess. And the surprise was absolute shit. And I don't remember actually being able to figure it out but or hear it, but I don't really remember much of a reaction to Leo Rush. It's hard to tell. I don't it's know. just very hard to tell. They're in an open-ended arena, and it's, it's just, a you know, weird, it's it's very weird spot after the Young Bucks match. Yeah, it's just so, I mean, you know, one of the things that I think sometimes – when it comes to storytelling on TV, yet yet you have to tell, you have to tell the story to the stupidest person in the room. That's true. So when you have, there are four suits, and each suit has five people in the suit, and we will draw randomly what suit that we get, and when those suits come out, all five people are coming out. What? Like, I mean, really, like, how could you make a battle royal more confusing, right? It's just, oh, my God. And everybody has to do it, right? Every every promotion pretty much in the world has their own version of the Royal Rumble. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it's like, I don't know. It was just, it, when, when I actually have to figure it, I have to stop and look up the rules of a match on my phone. It's, uh, you're not doing that great a job <laughs> explaining it to me. 
Yeah, yeah. Maybe it was maybe it was maybe the rules were on being the elite, and I just didn't catch it right. that last week. Yeah, uh, Leo Rush. We you know when he came out, he was like, oh, that's cool, Leo Rush. Oh, he was on New Japan Strong. I thought he'd be over wrestling in New Japan. That's cool. I don't think anybody could possibly be like, fuck yes, Leo Rush. I've been waiting for this. Like it was just kind of silly. Yeah, he's the guy. Like you know, the Royal Rumble, you have the big reveal, right? The big guy comes back. It was Edge. It's this one coming up from NXT. It's that one. It's Rhea Ripley. And then <laughs> the next Rush. day, the next day on Raw is when you have those guys like Leo Rush is coming up too. Mm-hmm. He'll pop up an hour two and a half of Raw, and that's what this is. This is like I'm sorry, man, but Leo Rush as a fan. He's not exposure on the. He's not a surprise on the pay per view. He show up the next. He's show up the next Wednesday on Dynamite right. or Thursday or Friday or whatever it's on this week. Right. Yeah, and traditionally, and traditionally, why these are fun if you're not going to have the the major plotline moving edge victory out of nowhere or something, is there's like legends come back. There's just guys that you know that are out there. They had one of those uh, that that evening. Mark Henry came out. It's like would have been a perfect spot for him to bust out and be like probably get a little bit of a pop, but that's not what they do. Um, you, you go with Leo Rush instead, and you know he kind of just I don't know brought the energy down at least amongst the three of us. Yeah. So Mark, yeah, okay. So spoiler alert: Mark Henry not in the match. It sounded like he was in the match. Let's do the last. Any final thoughts on this match? That's a no. No. Um, that's so yeah, Mark Henry gets Henry. Mark Hendry gets announced as the he's going to be the new announcer on their new TV show called Rampage, which is going to air on Friday nights, I believe, at 10 p.m. on TNT or somewhere. TBS. TBS. Can't wait to watch that. Yeah. Yeah. You know what that is? That's a fucking death spot of television. I don't know. Like, yeah. I guess they're just considered people will watch it on, on DVR. Yeah, I mean, they'll watch it. They'll watch it. A totally different animal. Yeah, now, it's not but, the way. It you know, that's not not classically for television. Not a great spot to be in to succeed, but right. everything's different now. So everything's different. Yeah. So yeah, I'm assuming he'll be part of the announce team, maybe writer. I don't know what he's going to do, but it's good to see Mark Henry's working. Brandon, thoughts? It it is and it isn't a death spot because on a Wednesday night when I'm on my phone, and I see something's happening. I'll flip my TV to that channel. Friday night at 10:45, I'm you know, going to be out somewhere doing something and i've almost no chance i i try to go watch it it might as well be on monday morning at four o'clock in the morning and you know i'll look up if something major happens so yeah but to chris but to chris's point it's you know everybody watches streaming now i don't watch this shit live so smackdown's yeah. still pulling in 1.5 million viewers they're not watching fucking nobody's watching that shit live yep move on move on let's move on oh boy Singles match, Cody Rhodes with Arn Anderson versus he beats Anthony Agogo with QT Marshall. Go ahead, Brent. Yeah, they made this whole thing. They've made some decisions. Uh, I didn't get any of the decisions that they've made. They've kind of culminates with this match where you've got this guy who's had two pro matches that they've tried to pose as a heel. And then every detail they reveal about him wouldn't make you think that he's a heel. And his one move is that he's just crushing people with one shot to the liver. Cody Rhodes eats two of those and an uppercut doesn't go down. Uh, he ends up finishing him in like 10 minutes, and it was the quietest I've heard the crowd the entire evening. 
Uh, I, you know, I called out the promo as being a complete whiff. I thought we they just kind of built or didn't build on that lack of momentum and uh, ended up in about as low of a spot as you could be. And I think, Jimmy, you even might have announced after it happened that might have been the biggest bag of shit wrestling match you've ever seen on a pay-per-view. I think easily. We, easily Zero for, out of ten. For two, for two guys that are not like uh, – Undertaker versus Giant Gonzalez, like gimmick match, giant dudes beating the shit out of each other. This this match fucking sucked. The guy that's supposed to be the, uh, you know, veteran wrestler who's gonna work with a guy that can't wrestle really because he's only just started doing it looked like shit. Anthony Ogogo looked like shit because his offense didn't work on Cody. This match fucking sucked ass. This is one of the worst fucking matches I saw on a pay per view. <laughs> Fuck the shit. <laughs> 11 minutes, I'll never get back in my life. I should have taken... Yeah. You know what would have been more entertaining? If I had taken my dick and burned it on the fucking grill on accident. That would have been more entertaining. <laughs> Fuck this match. Burn that shit on your grill. Don't burn it on the grill Chris. outside of my house. Chris, thoughts? Um, yeah, I believe I said to you during the match. I mean, if you're going to have a guy like Anthony Gogo in his third fucking match... He's got to wrestle like Ric Flair level of dude that can make you look good. Not fucking Cody fucking Rhodes. And then also, the one thing that I, I was thinking about earlier on today. So you have a beef between um, QT and Marshalics Jones and Cody Rhodes. They lead the factions. Cody Rhodes beats up the faction leader and then in the pay-per-view beats up the underling. Didn't you get that backwards? Yeah, this makes no sense. None of this makes this sense. This makes no fucking sense. And also, I'm going to be honest go ahead, with Chris. you. Everything Cody Rhodes invo- Cody Rhodes has been involved in in AEW since it started. Everything Cody Rhodes has been involved in since he was fucking Stardust has been absolute shit. Uh, also, you know, I want to bring this up because Brandon often talks about losing the plot. We had that fucking, which should be a theme of this podcast. We had that terrible promo where he tries to come off as a good guy by fucking bashing someone who is a legitimate good guy. Then he comes out dressed like fucking Homelander from yeah. the boys, <laughs> who, if you've yeah. seen it, he's not the fucking good guy in that show. Cody Rhodes is completely fucking lost. He couldn't, like, you're going to dress like Homelander, who couldn't possibly be more of a fucking bad guy. Not only is he evil, he's the scummiest of the scum. Yeah. I mean, like, it's unbelievable. I didn't pick, like, you know, I'm not the guy who dresses up as the Joker because he's so anti-authoritarian and he's all for chaos. And he's got this weird, like, you know, no, you're going to dress up with a guy that, uh, burns people's brains out because he's jealous that they, <laughs> they care about the kid more than him. Yeah, unbelievable. Spoiler alert if you saw, if you haven't watched The Boys yet. I, I'm sorry about that. You should have. You should have seen it. Yeah, you should have seen <laughs> The show's been out for like fucking three years. So if you haven't seen it yet, too bad. Yeah, Brandon, final thoughts on this fucking turd? Abomination. Yeah, uh, Cody, and, uh, Cody Rhodes and I, I think, agree on one thing. I was thinking about this of why I wasn't excited or as excited as I could have been for this entire pay-per-view. And it's like, these belts feel like they're stuck where they're at. And I'm almost okay with that. Like, you can tell stories without the motivation for everybody in the story being, I got to get my hands on the belt. I think that's okay. This was just an absolutely plotless story. And it fell as flat as it could fall. So It was like completely counterintuitive to every part of how this story should have been told. Like you have a legitimate good guy 
who's pretending to be a bad guy, and you have a guy that cuts a promo that's a terrible promo. Yeah. Like, everything about it was just like, if you would flop these guys out, it would have made perfect sense. But Cody this, still shouldn't have won. This whole pay-per-view kind of left me with this taste in my mouth where it's like, all right, you know, uh, the uh, these main guys, these EVPs feel like the bad guys, but I'm going to check this party out because I hear people like it. And then you you walk away going, oh, it's the bad guys won won every match and the party sucked and then you just left going okay i guess you know it's their party they can do whatever they want mm. but you don't feel good about participating in it chris any final thoughts or i'm gonna move on no okay. I, I really can't say anything you guys aren't haven't already had okay so, now for it's time for chris's poop break chris took a poop during one of the best parts of this pay-per-view <laughs> here we go for the aw you shit on my you just shit on my whole literally just shit on my whole review of this match that's okay we'll get there uh, the AEW TNT Championship, Miro defeated Lance Archer with Jake Roberts by technical submission. Brandon Good. Yeah, I can't even remember this much of, of the match, but you know a, a hard four wrestling favorite, Jake the Snake, is involved, so he immediately uh, dominates what I'm paying attention to. <laughs> they reveal but beforehand he got gut punched at, at a weigh-in so by... Good. <laughs> by Miro, which is just perfect. The way the way Miro has been disrespecting uh, Jake the Snake throughout this whole thing has been very enjoyable because Jake the Snake flops and uh, yeah, I didn't even mention this in the Dynamite review, but he he cuts this promo on Miro where he's like, he's like, let me translate that for you. It means you should shut the f up. Which is, I guess was him doing fake Bulgarian. Bulgarian? Yeah. I don't know what that was. <laughs> It was, and Miro is just, they cut to Miro, he's making his face like any normal human being would make, which is like, not only was that not not intimidating, but what the fuck are you even talking about, old man? And then he just shows up and punches him in the gut. So, <laughs> can, I so, interrupt uh, you? can I just interrupt yeah. you real quick? Because I just want to point something out that I just noticed. But it, it, can we just, like, you know, point out the fact that um, Jake the Snake getting pumped punched in the gut and Matt Hardy getting punched in the gut looks pretty much like the same thing at this point. <laughs> they just flop <laughs> over. Yeah. I think Matt Hardy's got 20 years on him. But go ahead, Brandon continue. Yeah. So I, I don't even remember too much about how this match actually went down, but the highlight of it obviously was Jake, the snake comes out with the, the famous cloth bag and the implied snake inside of it. And he, as he very stiffly, and obviously moves as like he's going to sneak in and he posts up right next to Miro. Miro turns around, takes the snake right out of his hand and just fires it as far as he can back down the into the entrance of the. Uh, First, he starts shaking uh, it around. Like, he's shaking oh, it right. around, shaking it around, and then up. laughing his ass off. <laughs> then he takes it and fucking wings it all the way down the aisle. So we're to assume that he has murdered the snake. Oh, my God, it was amazing. He killed an animal right in front of everybody. And they, I don't think the crowd thought it was that funny. They were like, oh. Yeah, I think they were kind of like, or do you think they thought it was really a snake? No way, right? Who didn't doesn't laugh at that? I would have been in tears watching that shit live. I was in tears watching it at home. Good. I agree with you. It, it was absolutely hilarious, but the reaction was a little bit. Like, oh, I don't know if they were so excited about the potential snake bite that they couldn't process that it wasn't a real snake once Miro started murdering it. But uh, that was pretty much it. We 
the uh, referee at some point tells Jake the Snake, like, get the fuck out of the ring. I, I was I was keep my eye on him because I was hoping that he was going to eat another shot. But uh, he rolls out and somehow Lance Archer loses. I don't even remember. We yeah, got a little was, Miro run going. Yeah, he had him in the choke. He choked him out. And then that was it. The end. I think it choked him unconscious. Yeah. yeah. Was that uh, end. Chris, uh, go ahead. <laughs> okay. So let's just let's let's set up the story here. So, you know, it being the Sunday of Memorial Day weekend, we decided to do a little grilling and we had some snacks before the show. And during the uh, (laughs) Casino Battle Royale, I was doing impressions of Matt Hardy getting beat up all across the room and whatever um, bathroom needs I needed to tend to. I probably had some time, but, you know, mimicking uh, Matt Hardy, I kind of forced them to the surface. The problem with this is that I chose to hold them in during Cody Rhodes, match. Yes, that was terrible. <laughs> terrible decision in retrospect. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't hold it anymore. Now, um, I ran upstairs. Now, I have this match being la- listed as one of the best matches of the night just solely based on your reactions as I was sitting in the bathroom taking a shit. <laughs> I, can, I can hear them. I was so, laughing my fucking that, ass off of that snake that's dying. That's all I got. That's all I got. <laughs> right, let's move on. So now, uh, yeah. let's go through this. Hold on. We've had how many titles defended? One. Two titles defended. No victories yet by the challenger. Three titles defended. Who was number you... three? Well, oh, yeah, if we count the NWA one as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there is three titles. Yeah. yeah. All right, next up. Singles match for the AEW Women's World Championship. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, with Rebel, defeated Hikaru Shida by submission. Brandon, go ahead. This felt like a foregone conclusion, especially because they reserved some time on Friday night for the women's division, which they rarely do, just for a little celebration of Hikaru Shida and the the revelation of the new belt. Uh, Probably one of the few bits of genuine emotion I felt throughout this night was I was sad for Hikaru Shida. She was working with a seemingly exhausted and I would I, I guess I would describe as less than helpful ring partner uh, in Britt Baker. Jimmy pointed out earlier than I noticed it that uh, Britt Baker was kind of dead ducking through some of these suplexes and her car. She was really lifting her over her head, uh, putting on carrying the match for the most part. Uh, Britt Baker gets the win. It was a little bittersweet. I you know, I think for better, or for worse, Britt Baker will get more eyes on the women's division. Um, I don't think anyone's mad about that, but you can't help but feel bad for Hikaru Shida for basically taking the worst spot you can get put. No fans for a year, 10 minutes an episode on the women's division, carrying it, having great matches every time, and then hand it over for someone who um, is, it's debatable whether or not that they're ready for, for this, in my opinion. I would just, uh, just uh, be resident ladies wrestling guy. I don't, I don't want to take anything away from Britt Baker. She's been fucking amazing. She's really improved in the ring. She was, gr- she's great on the mic. Her character is great. It's just, you know, we, we talked about it, how she makes being a dentist work as opposed to Isaac Hankum. Um, yeah. But it, she definitely seemed gassed in this match. The match was 17 minutes, but at some point along the 10 minute mark, she seemed, and not intentionally, she seemed to be sandbagging. And, there was there was two specific spots where she had to be put over top of Sheeta's head that she looked like she either missed communication or just didn't have the energy to do it. And uh, it's kind of and like you said, it's a shame that uh, Sheeta's reign 
coincided with everything that went on in the world. But, I mean, there was a lot of people. She And she also had to wrestle Abaddon. But Griff's good. Yeah, could have been better. Uh, you know, I'm not hating it. Um, could have been better. But, uh, like you said, uh, Britt Baker was gassed. Uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm to um, venture a guess, I would not be surprised. You wrestle Memorial Day weekend in Jacksonville. It's like a swamp. She was probably she probably got in that ring and was because these people aren't used to working like that outside in that heat. She was probably dehydrated right. as fuck. We don't know what happened nothing, backstage. You know, we don't know what yeah. happened. So, you know, it's not knocking her because, like I said, like you were saying, she's I mean, she's the one that's going to put this women's division over, mm. you know, and, you know, we all know character, character, uh, character development or a good character can overcome a lot of uh like, you know, for lack of a better way to put it, greenness in the ring. Well, we're going to talk about somebody. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I mean, she's um, it's a shame that this didn't come off watching it on TV better. But, you know, what are you going to do? These things happen sometimes. The last couple of minutes really heated up the last three minutes or something like that. But, mm-hmm. yeah, the middle of this match was really seemed to drag along. And I'm hoping I'm, I mean, I guess she is going to get a second shot at her, but we'll see what happens. Brandon, thoughts? Yeah, I think you can have both of those thoughts in your head simultaneously. I I appreciate you saying that. It's like Britt Baker's been awesome. Uh, I don't I didn't I didn't mention that probably when I was first speaking, but also it's hard to feel good about handing the belt to someone who was clearly less capable in a 15 minute match. You're like that doesn't necessarily bode well for the the quality of of match and title match you're going to get going forward. Can she get there? Probably, yeah, and faster than I might even be thinking. But uh, you don't want to feel like when you're watching the title get handed over, oh, God, they're, they're pushing this along because she's better at, at the things that they need on TV and not necessarily because she's as good or a better wrestler. But she'll be, I think she'll be fine. She, yeah, she should be good. I, I, you know, wrestle dorks like ourselves want to see Hikaru Shida versus, you know, Thunder Rosa. We want to see you versus Serena Deeb. You know what I mean? We want to see technical wrestling. It's more fun to watch. Phys- but when it comes down to it, storyline-wise, Britt Baker was the one that was set up to beat, to beat Sheeta. It was a perfectly fine match. You know what I mean? It was okay. At points, it looked a little sloppy, but what are you going to do? Yeah, and like I was saying before, I think, I you know, watching enough of those matches that she's been involved in, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there was just some weird incident or some weird circumstance that took place that, whether it be, like I said, maybe she was dehydrated, yeah. you know what I mean, or whatever it is that just took place on the worst possible fucking time, and it just – she ended up gassing out. But yeah. that's not a knock on her, and no. I think that she's – you know, they're in a, that's a division that's in good shape with her as a champion. It definitely is because they can build a, a underdog baby face to go against her. I think the next person that's going to go against her is Ty Conti. So – Okay. Yeah, that seems to be teased at it on on uh, Twitter. So that should be a decent match too, because Ty Conti is a huge improvement than when she was in XT. So should be fun. Shall we move on? Just one last thing. These yes. are the bumps that these are the hiccups that I'm okay tolerating when you're trying to establish a fresh pr- promotion. The yes. other stuff that we complain about, not as much. Right. This is one of the ones where you're okay with. No, agreed. Yes. This is. This women's division has taken leaps and bounds in the last two months, and I'm not going to complain that a match didn't come off to be a technical masterpiece in a fucking 100-degree outdoor match between two women who haven't really gotten much exposure 
more than 10 minutes on a fucking, you know, they had to go 20 in this match. You know what I mean? It's like, we'll get there. All right, next up, a tag team match featuring Darby Allen and Shirtless Sting, baby, against Ethan Page and, or- and Scorpio Sky. Go ahead, Brandon. Yeah, we were talking about the structure of the show and the order of it. This one, to me, felt like the obvious first match of the night. You get that out of the way. You see Sting. He pops his top off. He's got the old man body, but he's diving off the uh, stack of chips. I fucking love everybody, this. Everybody enjoyed that. Um, but I, as we were talking earlier about the Battle Royale and those things, it's like why I think this should have been at the top of the show is it reminded me of how I had so much fun. We went to that New Japan Supercard. It's like... The first thing that they did was, like, they brought out Muda. And they, New Japan always does this. But the show starts, and within 20 minutes, Muda comes out, miss somebody. Jimmy's standing on his seat. And you're already, like, now you, the floor for the rest of the evening is, like, a five. It puts you in a good mood because you saw that. They could have done something like that with Sting. But at this point, I think when they we forgot that this match was coming on, it's already 1045 at night. We were like, oh, no, another one in the, in before these two times. <laughs> So, uh, but despite that, it was fun. Uh, you know, Sting, I think I was Scorpio Sky took the pin from Sting. That's what you got to do. Darby Allen looked good. You know, not too much else to say. I like Darby Allen. I love Sting. I don't care about the other guys. Sting looked great in this match. He looked full of energy. He was doing all his moveset. Darby Allen was crashing into shit as usual. And, I, you know, we talked about it when we were watching it, but the reason why this match came on so late is so it would be dark for Sting's entrance. That's the only reason this, this came yeah. on, I think, at this point. And it's also Sting. you got to put him at the top of the card. It's like The Undertaker. Well, maybe not quite The Undertaker, but you know what I mean. Along that, like, he's more character than he is in-ring performance. Chris, go ahead. Yeah, so, look, I'm going to tell you right now, this, in my opinion, as far as um, me being entertained and the story making sense, even though the two dudes that they were wrestling against – with uh, who's it? Ethan Ethan Page, Adam Page, Brian Cage, Christian whoever Lee. it was, and Scorpio Sky. I could care less about those two. Um, but being the you know me being a Sting fan uh, from the UWF and Darby Allen, who I you know was kind of ambivalent with, but now I'm really getting behind him. Uh, I think that they've really have something. I think it, I think personally, as far as like um, this, like storytelling device and as far as like, you know, what they are they're they're probably the coolest thing on that show. Right. The two of them together, they always have like, you know, he picked them up in his truck. The last pay-per-view, this this pay-per-view, he picks them up in his classic Cadillac, I guess it was. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, they did the right thing. We were talking about it. I said it that I said it on Sunday night that, you know, you bring Sting out to wrestle once or twice a year. This dude, I think, in my opinion, should always win. And if he doesn't win, he should never eat a pin. Right. He should always be the superhuman that that they've made him out to be. Um, so, yeah, this was, a. I mean, like I said, against two people that, you know, um, with as much television exposures as AW has with YouTube shows and, and all this other crap, they, they really don't take time to tell stories. It's uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, he gets thrown down a flight of steps and then it's pay-per-view. And now we're in a tag team match. They don't dance around things that much. Um, but uh, I really like this. This was my match in the night. I, it was the only thing I really, really, really enjoyed. 
Brandon, good. I mean, they're still Bart and Krusty, but they're the the best version of Bart. And yeah, Krusty yeah, exactly. I mean, look, we'll still we'll still slap you slap Bart and Krusty on them, and you're a hundred percent right. That's them. It's the perfect way to explain it. But they play Bart and Krusty really fucking good, so I have no complaints. And um, you know, Ethan Page. One thing I didn't mention. He had that spot where he fired Darby Allen into his spam family. That was enjoyable. But besides that, his sense of humor, whatever he was, his he's working on here, felt very like indie wrestling. Not not going to work on TV. Yeah, Silly. It stinks. Yeah. He stinks. Yeah, impact. It's impact crap is what it is. <laughs> but good match. All right, next up for the a three way match for the AEW World Championship, we got Kenny Omega, who's the champ, defeated Orange Cassidy and. Pack. Brandon, good. Pack. 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 Again, we've talked about this a couple of times during this. Not the strongest build. Uh, this is headlining a pay-per-view, and you, I found myself a little bit confused as to why it was. As I was driving over to Chris's house trying to get pumped up for this, I'm like, all right, what's the what's main event here? And you're like, okay, I got a, it's Orange Cassidy, who's probably concussed. Pack. Kenny Omega. They went 27 minutes, pretty high energy to, uh, for the majority of that. Orange Cassidy, I think probably the thing I was mo- most interested in was him and the main event spot. The fans love him. You got to give him that. Uh, he's not the most interesting in- in-ring wrestler that you'll ever see, but he's tremendously over and got a lot of big pops throughout the match. Pack looked great. You get a, you know, you kind of know where this was going. Similar Kenny Omega of shit that I don't know if I've just seen it too many times or the fact that it was such a foregone conclusion uh, made it less exciting for me. But uh, I, I thought Orange Cassidy, Pack, Kenny Omega did a great job working in the ring together. Those two look good in the spot. But uh, again, if you're having a pay-per-view quarterly at, at most, change the goddamn title or two. Come on, man. They, these aren't that important. Chris, good. Yeah, um... So, I mean, there were some points in this match where I really didn't know who was going to win. Uh, they kind of had me fooled. There was a couple spots where, uh, especially the one where um, uh, Callis ran down the ringside and yanked on the ref. You know, Callis is doing a fantastic job because I literally hate him. Like, he's got me, like, really fired up and angry. So, you know, that's like, you know, he's doing a good job as a heel right there because it's actually working. Um the How prob- about the shit, shit? Yeah. Was, oh, yeah, shit. Oh, shit. That was, oh, shit. Oh, shit. And he ran down to the ring. You know, I mean, that was great. Um, you know, I, 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 but other than that, you know, we all know that I'm not a great, I'm not a huge Kenny Omega. I'm not a Kenny Omega fan. I'm not going to say I'm not a huge Kenny Omega fan. I'm not a Kenny Omega fan at all. Um, but, you know, like I said, I couldn't predict the outcome of the match. The only problem with this match was came on at uh what, 11 o'clock at night, 11.15, and I was exhausted and ready for bed. It's a little, so, tough. A little tough for us East Coast, East yeah, Coast people. It was a little late. Uh, East, Coast, East Coast and two of us are, um, you know, not all that young. Right. <laughs> so. All right. Um, this match was fucking spectacular. First of all, they, they convinced me that Orange Cassidy could win. That's a big deal. Right, because we were set in our minds that Kenny Omega was winning this fucking title because we were talking about who would possibly lose. There was no way Kenny Omega's losing this title. You got Kristen Cage, who's obviously going to challenge him down the line. Like, there was all these things. 
uh, uh, Pac looks fucking amazing every time he's in the ring. He's just vicious and powerful. The shit shit spot where fucking what's his name is uh, uh, Callus is convinced that Kenny Omega is going to lose because it kind of looked like he did. Throws off his headphones, runs down, interferes in the match. Kenny Omega wins. The only down on this was that it was predictable, but they had me convinced that Orange Cassidy fucking was going to win. This was by far the best AEW match I've ever seen on this on, in their promotion so far. This match was fucking spectacular. I loved every minute of this. Okay, Brandon. Um, thanks for injecting some energy there because I didn't think it was quite as spectacular just because I'm probably so negative in my head about this Kenny Omega title run and how long this is going to drag out. But I shouldn't take that away from the other guys. You know, they, that's really all you can do in that spot is make you feel otherwise that this isn't going to drag out. And that did happen for parts of it. But I'm like, we got six, four months of this. He's going for the Okada four year reign here. This is <laughs> this is going to be a thing. <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think that's the biggest problem with Kenny Omega on top and the way that AEW, we talked about it last week, how AEW tells storylines, is that you know that who's going to keep what where. But they convinced me that Orange Cassidy could have won this match. That was the best, that's the big thing. That's, you know what I mean? Like, that's part of the storytelling. They did a good job of it. I, I, I was convinced that Orange Cassidy could have pulled it off. He looked like he should be in the main event with his goofy-ass moveset. Yep. Yeah, I thought it was really good storytelling. I thought it was well done. But the problem is that it was predictable storytelling in the long run. They did a good job getting to it, but we know that Omega wasn't going to lose. So now we only had one title change hands on this pay-per-view when they're not going to have another one until they announced until September. September, they're going to have another one. So are we to assume that someone's going to lose their title on regular-ass TV? Brandon? No, I don't think so. I, I this I, I mentioned this before, but it's interesting that you know as we move to summarizing this pay per view as a whole, like how close they are to having a great show, and the things in the way of it are the reason why they're there in the first place. It's Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks, and Kenny Omega. They're right. like this was almost a, a great event, and the things I disliked about it were the people that are responsible for AEW existing in the first place, the, right. the kids running the, running the class. Yeah. All right, let's move on then. Unless you have any final I, thoughts, Chris, you have final thoughts. Yeah. Well, a couple things. Number one, um, sometimes it, I, I, when, so, you know, they have a television deal with TNT with Turner or AOL time Warner. Um, are they, they're a wrestling company, but are they, are they, like WWE is a, is for a while, okay, right now, who knows what you would consider it because of the way things are presented. And they have a pay-per-view every month. Um, is is AEW, I mean, I see them more as a television property than a pay-per-view live, because live, the live events are the shows. There's no house shows, right? So they just do live events. So I'm just curious. You know, when you see them, all right, well, to me, it looks like they're more of a paper, uh, a television company. So I wouldn't be surprised if with this, with, uh, we see more titles changing hand on, hands on television, especially that TNT title. Yeah, no, I, I don't see the, the Young Bucks. After not losing to Kingston and John Moxley, I don't think they're ever losing this title. <laughs> no, neither do I. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I mean, like, they have the Young Bucks and then they have, um, the the what are they FTR right Santana and Ortiz yeah 
Santana on Ortiz. Who are baby faces now. Yeah, and then a bunch of essentially children. Yeah, young Like people. wrestling, let's just say wrestling, the re- wrestling kitty table. Right. Right? All green guys that they brought in. Not saying that they're bad, they're very entertaining, but they're not, you know, you, you they're they're on the up uh, on the come up, right? Yeah, they're not there yet. So, yeah. So, uh, the other thing I wanted to ask, and I know I'm probably going to get different answers, but can we say that uh, I mean in my opinion, uh, Pac, um, best promo, best worker, pack, like all, pack. The, all pack. around pack, yeah. all around best on that roster. Brandon, you go most first. believable, best promo, best character. Go ahead, Brandon. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I've probably have some recency bias for Miro, but ah, in- yes, pack is definitely uh, superior. So. A couple he's a couple promos away, yeah, in my mind. I'd say top two right now are Miro and Pack, and then John Moxley's just one match away from being right back up at the top of the company. He's just stuck in a weird fucking storyline right now. Yeah, and yeah. and I think that I think that like that's your three though. That's like who you should be basing this fucking company around. Yeah, but I, I one of one of the things I have with Moxley is, and this isn't knocking his skill level, but I think Moxley comes with uh, WWE prestige. Okay. So I think if you were seeing Moxley walk in off the street from CZW, it would take a lot longer for him to get to the spot that he was at. Yeah, but Pac didn't walk yeah. in off out of CZW. They all have a little bit of that. But yeah, you're right. Of, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah, right. now that I think about it, it's just that both of that Miro was off. To, yeah, no, you're 100% correct. So, right. Um, to, all three of them. To go the other way. way. I'm right. To go the way. other way, Orange Cassidy, where does he go from here? Yeah. Do you feel like honest. he can build off of this, or was that kind of like that was his full slate of things, and he's, it's going to get old? I'll be honest with you, I I don't think it matters where you put that dude. Yeah, I think you put him anywhere. I think he's going to be entertaining. He's the orange. He's just the orange Cassidy segment of the show. Yeah. Yeah. He works. He works for comedy. He works for yep. in big matches. I mean, it's great. This is great that this guy was able to take this goofy ass character and make himself into, you know, top ten guys on the show. You know what I mean? I, I don't really think it matters where he goes. And I think really, it hurts. I think it hurts more guys like Eddie Kingston and John Moxley when they end up losing title matches. A guy like Orange Cassidy is going to be entertaining no matter what. Yeah, I agree. Go ahead, Brandon. Uh, I'm not as sold on like the longevity and depth with Orange Cassidy. It, it, it's going to have to be something new that hasn't happened yet for him to it not to become the same old. But uh, he could get there. I don't know. I just wanted to mention it. I don't. Right. I'm not it's even just, sure what I think. I mean, every. But you know, here's the thing. Every single wrestler out there has gotten to that point. Yeah, and then they, there's just a tweak and a reinvent. They change their gear and maybe a new move, or they change this and they change that. But the core is the same. Or you can be our truth and do the same thing for 20 years, and he's entertaining every fucking time he's on TV. Yeah, that's true. Right. We'll see. I mean, that's a good question to put out there, and we'll see where it ends up in next year if he's still doing the thumbs up. Might be a totally different character by then. All right, we still have one more match to talk about. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Like, let's let's blow through this because this, this match I fucking feel the sucks. Same way. What's that? Yeah, reviewing the reviewing this, I feel the same way that I felt by the end of this pay per view right now. Right. So, uh, last up, um, everybody sat around in the stadium and stared at a TV while the stadium stampede match happened. The Inner Circle lost. They would have been forced to disband. The Inner Circle versus the Pinnacle in a football stadium. Um, there was a 
uh, Ten Man did a thing from Chicago with chairs. Um, I, I, yeah, go ahead, Brandon. Please, someone explain to me why this is one of the best matches of the year because I'm sure the internet thinks that. Go ahead, Brandon. I don't know. I can't. I can't do that for you. Um, <laughs> this is the this is the part of the night that I'm getting a, a citizen app alert that somebody got robbed at knife point on my block. I'm going. Oh my god! I got to stop at a gas station and take twenty bucks out to get back across the bridge. Uh, it's it's eleven forty five. Why didn't There's, you just ask me for five bucks? Well, I, I had five bucks. Buddy. I had five bucks though. Chris Jericho is uh, descending from the rafters of. Uh, we couldn't even tell you the name of the stadium that the Jaguars play in. Uh, he, I don't even want to really talk about this. He was no, Chris Jericho. Not. I thought was the best at the comedy spots. Besides that, yeah, pretty clear direction you want to go here. If we feel like Chris Jericho needs to start fading away, you go MJF first, Sammy Guevara. That's like the two young guy rivalry. They don't do that. They bring in Sean Spears to probably appease his complaints or something. I'm just making this up, and that's that's where it ends in the ring with those two. Um, it felt like they went back to the well with the stadium stampede too soon. It made sense during the pandemic. They nailed that. I actually picked it as my match of the year. I enjoyed it that mm-hmm. much for its creativity. This had none of that. It felt uh, redundant to that, and um, I don't particularly care about either of these these factions at this point. So, I don't, it was it was like a C. A couple laughs when there's Jericho's beating uh, MJF over the head with the uh, breakfast tray and. They go into Urban Meyer's office. It's like not bad, but from there it just you know made less and less sense. It's kind of funny that I have no idea. Like I didn't know that that was Urban who Urban Meyer. I had no idea who that is. I'm a portion of your audience, dork audience that watches this pay per view. I'm like I had to look up who that dude is. I have no idea. <laughs> go ahead, Chris. So yeah, um, I'm going to tell you like you know I. I bunch of cast offs from WWE and a bunch of nobodies and Chris Jericho play a bunch of games in the stadium. We have a little, uh, 10 man has his little, uh, what is that? Um, jets and sharks routine with the chairs. Yeah. That was the Chicago. They, and they really, the let me tell scene. you something. They really blew that honestly, because if they had made it more like the jets and the sharks was Chicago, it would have started dancing. That's like what that. I thought. I thought it, awesome. I got hype. I thought he was going to start dancing I, with the chair. Yeah. Nope. Spotlight and st- that would have been great, but they didn't. Um, you can see, you could kind of see why. Not to cut you off, Chris, but if it's the time that it was at night and I see Sean Spears going, I'm going. I would have popped. I would have popped for it. I got to get out You might be right. But you see Sean Spears, FTR. I think that would really be it. The cast offs. You know, I mean, there's reasons why everybody wants to complain that they weren't treated correctly. There's sometimes there's reasons why you kind of get shuffled to the bottom of the deck. And it's because you're not. I mean, if you remember the story with Ten Man, Ten Man, everybody thought he should be on the main roster and they never sent him up. Well, maybe Triple H didn't see what everybody else saw or saw what you weren't seeing, which was this dude ain't that good. I think that with Ten Man, it was people that worked with him said he was very good. That might just mean he's very safe. Yes, exactly. It doesn't mean he's really, you know, or he's a nice guy and you really like him. Right. You know? Um, Go ahead, Brandon. Brandon, go ahead. Sorry. It's a classic backup quarterback thing, right? Like, I always hear how good he is in practice. Oh, Doug Peterson. That's a sports name. Yeah. You nailed it, Jim. Way to go. That was good. Sports player. Sorry to cut you off. 
Chris. Yeah, that's okay. I don't have anything else to say. Yeah, this match fucking stunk. It was, it was stupid. Whack as fuck. And especially to drag it on at fucking, it was 32 minutes almost. It came on at 11.30. I'm fucking gassed. I got two hamburgers in me. I got two beers, two big old IPAs in me. I'm ready to fucking leave. And I got to sit here and watch this thing on a TV. Like, could you imagine being there? Apparently people walked out, right, Chris? You looked? Or yeah, I mean, people they, they walked showed, out. They, they, they showed, I saw a picture on Twitter where the entire, uh, a big portion in the upper level was empty. So if you didn't pay uh, more than 500 bucks for your seat, you were gone. You were, you were gone like, beating the traffic because you can watch this online. The other thing was, it, which if you think about this, who was this feud between? It was between the pinnacle and the inner circle, but who was it really between? I guess it was supposed to be Jericho and um and MJF, yeah. right? They didn't end the match. No. Like I mean, you think if this is going to be the big, oh, who the, the big fuck collision? It was uh, Ten Man Cheers. took it from Ten Man took it from uh, Guevara. Guevara, yeah. And uh, wouldn't you think that it's between you two? This. You, uh, uh, MJF throws Jericho into a bunch of cardboard boxes and ends his career with a fake uh, arm brace. Do you think that uh, that would be the payoff, right? Jericho gets the guy gets his comeuppance, but they don't even make it back to the ring. Yeah, not good. And then the celebration at the end was like really kind of embarrassingly weird. It was just yeah, not good. A, b- a bunch of wrestlers. That, I mean, come on, just ugh, I'm yeah. done. Let's, let's, let's we mentioned totally with this on. Oh, oh, and then Tully. Tully. Okay, Tully. okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. The nightclub scene was good. Let's, let's just say that. Okay, so Tully and, okay, and straight up fucking sexy steer man up at the fucking bar ordering a a, a rat a fucking a Texas Rattler shot. Conan is the DJ. <laughs> yeah. They got a ref I, in there counting, doing counts in the, in the club. I think that, um, I think that, Shivani said that 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 Tully Blanchard was dressed like it was the bunkhouse stampede. Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah, that's what it looked like. That was good, but that was more of a comedy spot than anything. The rest of it wasn't all that great. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Sorry, listeners, that you loved no, it so much. I'm not apologizing. We all have opinions. Get a podcast. All right, let's um, <laughs> let's go through this. So, uh, best match. Our, Brandon, you got any more uh, thoughts on this shit? That should be our our uh, bio. We all have a opinion to get a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Best match, Brandon. Go ahead. I think uh, you know Chris persuaded me here, and not to copy him, but the thing that I'll remember in the most positive light is Sting popping the top and and going off the stack of chips. So I'll go with that one. Chris, go ahead. Yeah, I already said it. I'm going to go with Sting, shirtless Sting, and his old school gear. Now, if they don't bring out Surfer Sting and his his band leader costume next time, I'm going to be really disappointed. Dude, Sting was pumped, man. He wooed so many times. He screamed yeah. so many times. I'm going to yeah, go with the, great. I'm going to go with the title match. Omega versus uh, Orange Cassidy versus Pack. Six Pack. Always remember that. That's how you pronounce pack. it. Six Pack. Best performer, Brandon. Best performer, I'll give that to Orange Cassidy because he rose the farthest above where I thought what I thought of him beforehand. Uh, most people did not do that during the show, so it had to be him. Chris? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Matt Hardy in the Casino Royale, <laughs> and then my number two will be Sting. Yeah, I'm going to go with Sting as well with a close tie. It's a Sting, Serena Deeb, and Orange Cassidy. They're the three people that were that definitely stood out to me in this thing. And Matt Hardy, his hips. Overall grade, Brandon. 
Um, it's a I, after playing blackjack, we got a, a four and a queen out of the draw. So not not very good. I don't know. I might hit one more time. See if I can get to twenty. This could be going somewhere. I could bust. AEW could bust. That's where. I'll, that's what I'll say. Chris, your overall rating. Yeah, I had it as uh, whack as fuck, but after we talked, I'm just going to back it off the whack. Okay. I'm going to go with one, two, three, four, five out of – oh, no. I'm going to subtract some points for the last five, that five-minute segment of the Young Bucks cheating the whole time. I'm going to give it a 4.5 out of 10, but well below average. The good parts were really good. The bad parts fucking stunk. Yo, that's yo, fuck Cody Rhodes. Fuck that fucking piece of shit. I don't even know him. I'm sure he's a great man. Great man. Excellent man. All right, let's mm-hmm. move on. So how about uh, we did a couple. Uh, the Ultimate Warrior was on twice last week. So did you guys catch the AEW bio? A&E. A&E bio. What's AEW? Oh, that's a company that's... we just covered. <laughs> A-N-W. Isn't that a they Ultimate Warrior? That's Root Beer, right? A-N-W. <laughs> yeah. They signed, they signed the, the, the ghost of the ultimate corpse. warrior. Yeah, his corpse. <laughs> he can move better than Matt Hardy, his corpse. <laughs> All right. Uh, did you guys catch the A&E bio, uh, Brandon? I caught about 45 of the 88 minutes listed on my TV. <laughs> I watched the, the dark side of the ring first, and I was like, I get it. The we're, do, we're doing the same story from a different wife's perspective. So That's pretty much what it was. Chris, did you catch the A&E bio? The only thing I caught was the part that we watched together at the house, that, the, which was all I really needed to catch was the only difference between the two. Yeah, they were very similar. The only thing was that uh, the vice one seemed to be set on him being a shitty worker. Yes. Guy couldn't work, couldn't work, fucking couldn't work. Guy sucked. Also, um, uh, Jake the Snake Roberts also was going to beat him up at the Hall of Fame ceremony and had a roll of quarters in his pocket and was going to punch him in the face because – Jake's still pissed that he decided to hold out Vince McMahon when they were about to go into a program and Vince and Jake was going to make a shit ton of money off the Ultimate Warrior. And, and then spend all that money on drugs. So you probably you probably be dead, Jake. <laughs> all right, do you guys have any Coming thoughts on this? Coming from a drug addict, you'd be dead. Uh, Brandon, I'll let you go first because this is uh, – you're a bit younger than Chris and I, and you didn't live through the Warrior era. Any thoughts? Are we just covering A A and E, or you want to do both of them? Yeah, gives a fuck. Throw it all together. Yeah, Who cares? Yeah. Talk. Um, I'll talk, talk about the warrior. Yeah, I would. I would love to talk for you too. Um, I think this reminded me of you know, growing up. My dad was in an '80s hair metal band that did not make it. They, he didn't um, make it. Didn't make it. Didn't make it. And, what was the band called? Do you remember? Yeah, I don't know if I want to give it out. Okay, but, uh, that's fine. That's fine. Keep going. Um, you had to give it to us on another day. Yeah, Cinderella. I'm happy to do that in, in private. Yeah, they opened for Cinderella at the uh, Empire Rock Club. At the Empire. But, uh, I knew you were going to say yeah, that. Yeah. It was. Go ahead, keep going. If you guess it, I'll say yes. But um. Brittany Fox. Brittany Fox. I opened up for them as well, but uh. no. Uh, they were the opener, the opener, very local to okay. Tri-State. But um. Go ahead. So I I grew up with a lot of like docking CDs and Cinderella CDs. And these these things that worked for a moment at the time, and then you 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 play it out now, and it just is like uh, this. You could see why it didn't have a long lifespan. That's how the Ultimate Warrior comes off to me. Um, him speeding to the ring and looking crazy, I could see working very well for that era in wrestling. Uh, any later, I don't think it would have would have landed nearly as well. 
and I thought this was the worst episode of Dark Side of the Ring that I've seen, and I'm an advocate for that show because there's no real story that's unique to the Ultimate Warrior. It's a guy that was propped up by Vince McMahon that didn't get that that's what was happening to him, got an ego, never dealt with his personal issues, and then rocketed downwards into this weird conservative uh, – I don't know, political public speaker thing, and then kind of just... Queer, queers mom. queering will not save this country. An actual quote, queers queering. <laughs> and then his heart exploded. And it's like, there's not really much of a story here. There's, uh, this is We've told the story with much more interesting people multiple times on this specific show. So that that's about the extent of my opinion on The Ultimate Warrior. Am I missing anything? Chris, go ahead. No, I don't think you're missing anything. You're 100% correct. And I think what you just said summed it up. I have so many notes about this show, and, and I don't really have to bring any of them up. I mean, Please do. Please do. Well, all right. So, first of all, the one thing I did learn from – so, all right, let's go to Jake the Snake. Mm-hmm. All right? Jake the Snake is was angry because the – at first he was angry because the Ultimate Warrior – he went in the locker room, and the Ultimate Warrior told him that, you know, don't miss any dates. Well, you know, I mean, was Jake a druggie? Yes, he self-admitted it. Was he missing shows? Probably. Probably. Yeah. So why guess else what? would he say it if he wasn't missing? Yeah. He wouldn't just so, randomly. He's like, I predict in the future that you will miss dates. So therefore, so, don't. No, he must have been missing dates because he was fucking falling asleep in the hotel room. So um, yeah, so that's that's that. Um, so he really wasn't. You know, if you're asking me and my opinion, doesn't seem like the guy was too out of line. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am not going to be one of these guys that sits there and uh, they've made fun of this guy for being, you know, lack of a better way to a way. Of, let's use their way of putting it out of his mind and not being able to work. It's been going on for years. And frankly, I, I'm it's OK. You made your point. Yeah. You he know, I mean, all right. Great. Yeah. Guess here's what? the was, other thing. He was the second biggest fucking wrestler in the world. Didn't make it. Defu- it doesn't make a fucking difference if he can wrestle Here, or not. Yeah, the guy shot the himself other... in the fucking foot because he was an egomaniac and wanted Hogan money. That's what yeah. killed him. It had nothing here's to do with him thing. not being able to work. Go ahead, Chris. We, we, we talk, I talked about this uh, over and over again last week with Two Cold Scorpio. The guy's fucking dead. Mm-hmm. So if you don't like him for whatever reason, you got a grudge to bear against this guy, guess what? You fucking won. You're alive and he's dead. So drop it. Um. <laughs> you know, and it's just a, it's it's just one of those situations. It's good lessons you know, you for see, life, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, man, it's one of those situations you see it all the time where, you know, uh, people start believing their own bullshit, and then they they, they start believing their own bullshit, and that it's it's uh, it kind of always ends up in a downward spiral. Now the questions I had, or the state, one thing that I've like I'm like noticing now when you see the Ultimate Warrior is. This character, I mean, come on. He's fucking awesome. It's amazing. Dude, right? his, like, yo, they could he, shit on his, hold on. They could shit on his promos as much as they want. His promos are fucking amazing. He's from outer space. Parts Unknown, but not But only. he's from Earth. Well, yeah, well, I have that down. Parts Unknown is actually a place, Dan. Mm-hmm. It's not that he's not disclosing. The, he knows where he's from. He's just not telling you. No, Parts Unknown is an actual place. It's a location. And location, he is uh, f- f- in parts unknown. Spaceships are coming down, and they're telling him what to do. 
and he's taking over pilots and tell, like brainwashing them to making a sacrifice and crashing a plane with Hulk Hogan in it. To kill Hogan. I mean, yeah, like, I mean, like, how is this not a good character? This is complete insanity. It's awesome. One one nice little thing was that his, uh, in the um the Vice one, his ex-wife said, like, he could get in the car when they were leaving or would go home and be like, oh, man, that promo was hilarious. I had no idea what the hell I was talking about. They never brought that up before. Yeah. He was just supposed to be like this all the time. Yeah. Like, he was right? just walking around talking about parts. Like, he really believed he was from... The, yeah. a location called Parts Unknown. No, he was just being fucking nuts, and it was very creative. It, you know, it's just it complete, complete insanity. The other thing I got, we talked about it earlier. I got from this very early. They bring up the Blade Runner. Yeah, Sting rules. Yeah. I mean, like it was like one guy was going in one direction, the other guy was like, nah, I'm gonna learn how to do this and follow. I'm gonna take all the information and I can really work on my craft. You know what I mean? He become a better performer. And ultimately, where he was just like, oh, I want to be the best of all time. I want to make more money than everybody. And, you know, I mean, that's, but it's a story that we've all heard a million times. I, you know, I, I it's, it's shitting on Ultimate Warrior is just kind of passe, I think. And yeah. just let it go. The other thing I did notice, obviously not a doctor, but when you see that inner, uh, the in ring performance or the in ring promo from that Monday Night Raw, He's whatever heart problem he's have he, he's having he's having it in the ring. Yes, he when you look at his gassed. face, what, whatever was wrong with him, and they people had said after that that he was sweating like a pig backstage. I think he was already in the process of having whatever heart attack he had that killed him, and it probably was just a slow burner, and it took him all night, and he finally died from it. It's a shame that that's the guy the way the guy went out. Brandon, any final thoughts on? Good old Jim Helwig, the racist piece of shit, anti-queering. No, I appreciated Chris saying that. You know, like I sometimes I forget to acknowledge some of that stuff. It's like what he was good at. It was fucking awesome. I, you know, I can only imagine how hyped I would have been had I been ten years old at that time and seeing him shake the ring like he's strong enough to to break it entirely if he really wanted to. Also, they they just pretend he never went to WCW. Yeah, they left they that did. out. I mean, he wasn't there for oh, they long, ran, but... They ran out of time, I, I guess, I right? Guess. Probably edited yeah. it. We'll be getting that with Conrad Thompson from 2300 Arena. Yeah. And <laughs> more <laughs> to the show. Whatever <laughs> it's called. They... Dark Side of the Ring Extra. Right. And I, ha I hate saying this because he, he has his own flaws, and we they like I don't want to prop this guy up, but Jim Cornette is like two for two on these things that cracking me up. When he cuts in and starts talking about Warrior, and he's like, he basically became a racist fucking fool like whatever he said <laughs> <laughs> he thought he was a political commentator he's a he's an arrogant sexist racist piece of shit and you just like, <laughs> like it's like, great so simply Some, just like yeah blast him. something that mr Cornette has been accused of quite a few right, times right he's glass yeah, house yeah. well he's glass house throwing stones but yeah right i mean come on let's be honest I, I appreciate a good trash talker, though, and he's pretty good at, like, within nine words, just obliterating somebody. <laughs> All right, let's move on. You ready? Yeah, let's move on. I signed up for New Japan World again. And why did I do that? Because Billy the Birdman had to go home. Goodbye, Billy the Birdman. Apparently he had bird bones, and his little fucking bird neck broke. And he had to go back to England. <laughs> 
and I'm back on board, baby. I'm back on the New Japan. We're fucking train again. Not only did Billy the Birdman leave, guess who's back? She's been gone for a year. Abe Miho. The most beautiful woman in the history of women to stand next to the Emperor of the Universe. She came back this weekend. I'm excited for this. I'm excited to get caught up. Everything's canceled, so we might not get any shows. But we are getting on the seventh Okada versus Shingo for the title. Any excitement? Brandon. I'm excited that you're excited. You, since we started this podcast, all of my New Japan news outside of the cards that I collect funnels through you. (laughs) So the fact that you're excited uh, has me excited. I was disappointed to see that you had canceled your membership. Um, I don't. It's, I don't really know where they're going with any of these storylines. Is there any of that that I should be excited about? Or we should just be excited about the pure fact that the bird's gone? I think I'm excited for the bird being gone. Uh, that's fun. I don't think they have much of an option but just to run shows at this point. They've had to cancel their two big uh, stadium shows because of the COVID outbreak. They had to cancel a show on, I think, the 5th. That's going to be canceled. So Dominion's on the 7th. That's the first big show that's going to be, be, will have happened in a while. Everything's been like road to shows with limited attendance. This show, this company's kind of rudderless at this point. I think that's the, the, you know, ebb and flow of COVID-19 has really fucked everything up in Japan. And uh, I'm hoping that this show reinvigorates my love for New Japan. Chris, you got any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I would watch Okada versus uh, Shingo. You know, I mean, just on the fa- just on its face, it, it, that's something I would pay attention to. Uh, but like Brandon said, you know, you've been my only conduit to New Japan over the last few months because, frankly, I mean, look, they don't have anything I'm really interested in it's, going on right now. I mean, you're, you're there's not no stories there. being I'm, told. I'm a diehard, and I couldn't watch it. You know, what I mean, it was just really bad. And plus, Billy the Birdman, fuck him. But they have He's migrated. You know, yeah, he mig- <laughs> he migrated west with his broken ass bird neck. Should have broke his bird dick. Break that bird dick. All right, let's talk about let's talk about this because it's in pure rumor and speculation, but somehow it became fact. Uh, it came out two weeks ago that uh, New Japan and WWE are in talks to be in an agreement for a talent exchange, to which Tony Khan came out and gave a promo against the other Khan guy from WWE about how he's not he's not doing anything because AEW I've got. Kenta and I have uh, this guy and I've got that guy coming in here and you don't have anybody so you're not taking anybody so he runs like a promo on WWE. The wrath of Khan on Khan. Yeah, it's Khan on Khan action. This uh, this is all bullshit. This has got to be all bullshit, right? Brandon, thoughts? I mean, we were talking about New Japan being rudderless. I don't really see them ever becoming that rudderless where they stoop that low. So. Uh, and I saw Chris Charlton immediately went online and was just like, this is, he said he rolled his eyes so hard. He went back to bed that I could, I can't see this being good for either of them. They're, they're both pro wrestling in the sense that I don't know, Jay-Z and Led Zeppelin are both music They're They had do almost nothing the same. And what is good about one has nothing to do with what's good about the other. Uh, it would be a disaster for both. It's a pretty ridiculous analogy, but it's the best I could think of off the top of my head. <laughs> and also, if WWE was going to work with New Japan, wouldn't they just try to buy them instead? That would make more sense. Why, why just work yeah. with them? It doesn't make any sense. Chris, thoughts? 
Yeah, I think it's nonsensical. Yeah, I, I have nothing so. more. Yeah, they um also a couple of years ago, um WWE was swooping in to try to buy companies when they were working on NXT Japan. This is all speculation, rumor. Supposedly they were going in, they were trying to swoop all these companies up, and they banded all banded together to say no to them. They're like, no, nah, you can't come over here. Stardom. Really? They were trying to get Stardom, so fucking um, the company that owns New Japan, whose name escapes me, maybe Brandon will remember it. Bushiroad? Yeah, Bushiroad. Bushiroad uh, bought Stardom instead. and Yeah, they're trying to deny well, them. Go ahead. So let me ask you this, too. So, you know, you're we're in the United States, right? That's where we're at. You may be. I'm in parts unknown. Oh, yeah, after last week. <laughs> I'm in Bulgaria with Toby Miro. Um, so, uh, we're in the United States, which is in the process of like a mass reopening. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take my workers and I'm going to send them overseas to another country, which is in a mass opening, closing, opening, closing, opening, closing, opening, closing guys going home. This one's sick. That one's out. And I'm going to put them in that situation and then have them come all the way back, possibly infected. Well, we're, we're vaccinated, though. I get it. I'm just saying, is that really a risk that you're going to take at any point now? No, it doesn't make any sense. And, and also, also, you're not working. You're not going over there. We're not working because they're not. Yeah, having been it doesn't sure. make any sense. And, and you know, this, this is pro wrestling. It's not, you know, oh, well, we have this plan for, you know, next year we're going to do this. And this is all. No, it's, you know, hey, look, we're going to sign this deal. And we're going to start sending guys over in the next couple of weeks, next month. So it's it's horseshit. Yes, agreed. I believe it's horseshit as well. But, you know, I've been wrong before. <laughs> I mean, they did work with Japan. They had the great Kabuki get thrown out of the uh, Royal Rumble in five seconds. Oh, speaking of Tenru. Great... Tenru was in Tenru. there, too. It was Tenru and uh, what's his name? Kabuki. Yeah, I believe that was yeah. too. We're about to talk about Kabuki. All right, let's move on. Any uh, thoughts, questions, or anything about New Japan? Negative. No. It should be exciting. Uh, G1's coming up soon, so that's always fun. But they have no foreign talent. They have so. it. What's that? They have it. Yeah, if they have it. And I'm going to be honest with you, dude. Seriously, I'm over watching wrestling with no fans. It's yeah, it's terrible. It's the clap so crowds bad. are terrible. The clap crowds are so awful. Bad. They're awful. Yeah. Right, let's move on. This week, Chris selected the Wrestling Retro Rewind. Ooh, my turn. From November 24th of 1983. The first Starcade, a flare for the gold. The match is Rowdy Rowdy Piper, Hot Rod, Rowdy Rowdy Piper versus Greg the Hammer Valentine in a dog collar match. Is that what we're calling it? Dog this? collar match. Dog yes, collar match. So if you want to watch, if you wanted to uh, watch the match and then listen to our analysis, go ahead and watch it right now. It's available on Peacock. It's about halfway through the show. Go ahead, Chris. You can start it off. I got notes. Go ahead. Okay, so um, let's uh, go back in time to uh, living in Northeast Philly and being home. Uh, Jimmy was in uh, college at the time, so I was home by myself and had no friends. So <laughs> I would walk up to the Blockbuster Video on Basalt Nav, and I would rent movies on Friday and Saturday nights because, once again, I had no friends. So... I walked in and they had the best of Starcade. It was a two two tape set. I rented that. I brought it home. I plugged it in, and the first match on the tape was 
this match we're talking about tonight. Uh, Roddy Piper versus Greg Valentine in a dog collar match. I had never seen this before. I had no idea that this existed and had no idea that either Roddy Piper or Greg Valentine were in the NWA at any point. I always just assumed they were always WWF guys. So I just wanted to let you know, give you a little background as to when I saw this. Um, this is before Roddy Piper became kind of hot rod body Roddy Piper, whereas the WWF version of him, which is essentially the same character, but uh, he was more like a pit bull, like a, like a, just like a, a, a really never give up kind of sometime. Most of the time he was a baby face. Sometimes he was a heel. He had a lot of great matches with like Jack Briscoe and uh, what was that? Mid Atlantic and all that stuff. But he was um, a baby face at this point. Piper had gone back and forth quite a few times, but when I first saw this, I was blown away by this. Uh, I always hated Greg Valentine. I always thought he was boring when I was a little kid. But this is this match is a uh, a clinic in selling and a clinic, in my opinion, in storytelling. They don't get right to it. They're fighting over the dog collar. The pace in the beginning is really slow. They don't kind of don't know what to do, so they're just yanking away from one another. And they build to a point that when they actually finally start using the chain, it just goes off the charts. Um, the story had been going on for uh, a, a few months before that, that Valentine had injured Roddy Piper's ear, and uh, he immediately starts to work on the ear with the chain to the point where I think Roddy Piper in real life had lost a lot of hearing in that ear. Um when you watch this match, when I watch this match, you can see what Valentine had that kept him in WWF for so long. You know, he when we first started watching, when Jimmy and I first started watching, he was the Intercontinental Champ. That was his thing. Um, and then he was, you know, with Brutus Beefcake in the first WrestleMania. And then he was in Rhythm and Blues. There was a reason why this guy stuck around for so long. And it was because he was a pro. Um but and it's also a great uh, a great showcase of Piper being that pit bull that when you see matches like this, him in the ring with Hogan and not losing to Hogan, being able to, you know, hold his own against a, a, a guy that's pretty much a giant in real life makes it completely believable. Um, bloody as hell. Uh, we learned from, I believe, Gordon Soy that uh Piper uses the chain to bash the prefrontal lobe of Greg Hammer, of Greg mm -hmm. Hammer Valentine for a bit. Um, a lot of great spots, very violent, but violent in a way that made sense. And it helped tell the story of this feud. Uh, Piper gets the win uh, basically by using the chain to hold, to hook the leg of Greg, Greg Valentine. And then it, of course, devolves into the heel, just beating Piper half to death with the chain. Piper gets free. Match ends. But it, it always left a really uh, a really big impression on me as to um, there were greats before I started watching. And there is uh, enjoyable storytelling before the first stories that I saw. And I think a lot of that gets lost now because it's so... Um, very repetitive and they when they you know i just don't think that they really showcase 
older stuff the way they did, and they forced the the um, the wrestling storytelling is so fast now that you don't you can't uh, you don't get the 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 for lack of a better way of putting heat that a lot of these old storylines used to get. And it was because they would work the emotions of the crowd so much for so long that you would hate these villains. And when they finally got their comeuppance, it was, it was huge. And, you know, in the, in the, in the uh, day and age of no clear uh, good guys and bad guys, I think bad guys are pretty clear, but good guys aren't. It's refreshing that you can go back and you can watch these matches and you can see that a basic good guy versus bad guy story can always work. Brandon, thoughts? Yeah, I wrote down some notes as I watched it. Uh, two guys fighting repeatedly to the point where I accidentally watched the wrong Greg DeHammer Valentine versus Rowdy Roddy <laughs> Piper match first when I was reviewing this. You get stuff that's going to be better than what I've seen you know, lately. Uh, like the main spot where I noticed that was when uh, he, Rowdy Rowdy finally gets the souple, the vertical souple. I souple, love that they yes, called it that. Yes, yes, he calls it a souple. And it's Gordon Soli at his best. Uh, Greg Valentine lands on his back and he's got the chain in his mouth wrapped around his neck and he's biting it. That's great. He's just laying there with blood pouring down his forehead. Like that's a great, incredible shot. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. Like. Look, I have never pretend to be someone that's a wrestling historian. I have not watched a lot of this stuff. So seeing this level of storytelling from something in 1983, very interesting for me immediately. And it made me think, like, bigger isn't always better. Uh, the look of some of the camera angles they got in this room, like you can feel the heat in the room and the darkness behind them. I don't know how you would pull that off now, but the extravagance doesn't always make things better. Uh, it looked very cool, and it wasn't just the nostalgia. I love the the ear injury. His them references referencing his equilibrium. Mm -hmm. His balance is gone, and he's and and Roddy Piper's like flopping all over the place. At one point, I think he just drops dead after he gets the chain yanked. It started making me feel dizzy. Yeah, I thought this was fantastic. Uh, you could you could see these guys had been working together for a long time, and uh, they came out within five minutes and I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Great call, Chris. I, uh, I enjoyed that. Uh, uh the announcer's like, uh, it's got, this chain isn't like usual chains. It's got large links. A lot of you may be familiar with it. It's a cow chain. So you know who their audience was, a bunch of freaking mm -hmm. <laughs> the southerners and farmers, a cow chain. I'm like, I don't never fucking heard that. I got to ask you, Chris, do you know who the fuck the guys are in the ring at the beginning? You got a bleach blonde guy, you got a black guy, and you got a guy with an afro. You have any idea who I those dudes no, were? I have no idea. I have no idea who those people were. Yeah, I didn't recognize any of them. Also, they mentioned it was unsanctioned, so that's not a new thing. Saying this match is unsanctioned, that match was also unsanctioned. Oh yeah, uh, Crockett wouldn't have it. He would not. He would not allow it no. in his end of the way. Um, mm -hmm. They never said brass knuckles. They kept saying brass knucks. Mm -hmm. And also, both guys had blue trunks on. Which blue? Yeah, they were wearing it's the same like gear. So odd, they're wearing the same ring gear. Like that would never happen now. And Greg the Hammer Valentine has the biggest head and the smallest face on a human being. Brown Strowman's, I think, giving him a, he's kind of been giving him a run for the money over the past few years. But I, I'm with you on that. Yeah, this is a great match. It was a lot of fun. Also, um, like you know, when you do these unsanctioned matches, like they don't do moves. 
This is an unsanctioned yeah. match. Why wouldn't you just beat the shit out of each other? It makes sense. Yeah. Right. Well, what I wanted to add too, because um, Brandon had made mention it, 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 something he said just kind of brought it up. Uh, you're watching this match, and uh, Gordon Sully is calling the match. Mm-hmm. He isn't incessantly telling you what is happening every second and why it's happening. So you have uh, matches today that really have no story with a announcer explaining everything to you like it's the most complicated story in the world. And then you have a match like that, which is all story, and the announcers just call it. You know, I mean, I hate to be the guy that says, I never say it was better when. But <laughs> some things were can, lost. Some things were lost through some, time. That some good things done. have been lost, and they could look at these old matches and say, maybe we can do it a little bit, you know. I, you know, keep it simple. Sometimes simplicity is the way to telling a good story. Um, and like you said, it was, uh, you know, um, Piper gives um, uh, Valentine a suplex, And that's the big sell. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it's not a, a, a gigantic move off the top rope or some ridiculous thing where he almost breaks his neck. And that's, you know, and they it's barely sold. It was a play, and it told the story. <laughs> I mean, even, even you know, when we were watching the Ultimate Warrior, uh, the A&E doc, and they were showing Hogan. Yeah, that guy couldn't wrestle. But he did those little things that just put it over, and, and that's what this was. Yeah, I had, a, I had a gym teacher, Miss Ogden, who looked exactly like Greg the Hammer Valentine. <laughs> he even had Lovely. a mullet, would, would drive a hot rod to to school, one of those like 1950s hot rods with the tiny windshield that would make us leg wrestle in class. So when he comes out, I'm just thinking of Miss Ogden. I'm like, oh, this is this is who's wrestling. It took about two minutes for me to forget about that. He was Greg, Greg the Hammer Valentine. I'll give it to him. Great wrestler, sold his ass off. Yes, he did. Covered in blood, very entertaining. They did that. Both One of them big do that. Hand, they do that hands up thing when they're getting beat up. I love that, man. Yeah, That's... and Greg Valentine. We always equate it to Flair, but Greg Valentine also had one of the greatest face plants in wrestling history. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, but like I said, uh, you know, you look at a guy like Greg Valentine, you professional, because even when he was on the bottom of the card, he always worked his ass off. He never mailed it in. Excellent. Good choice, Chris. Any final thoughts, Brandon, on this match? No, I like getting the ugly guys in there. Greg, the, the first shot of Greg the Hammer Valentine when they start yanking on the yanking their necks against each other, and he's like head looks like it's about to pop. It's all yeah. red. You're like, oh man, <laughs> anyway, yeah, he's ugly as shit, man. R I P. Hot Rod, not not Greg the Hammer. He's still right. Greg's still around. He's still kicking. Do you remember when he was on that ICP video show? Yeah, and he wore the like. Uh, he wore like the, a Mater Day, like a bellhop. Not a bellhop uniform. Bellhop yeah. uniform. <laughs> and never cracked a smile the never. entire time. No, nope. it was great. All right, it's my turn. So, to celebrate me getting New Japan World again, I started to think. I was like, okay, what can we watch? What's considered like one of the best matches of all time in New Japan? And you think it was just around? It was only a few years ago. You think a couple of years ago? Man, this match just happened. It happened in 2015. So I'm going with Wrestle Kingdom number nine. Many considered one of the best matches in the history of New Japan Pro Wrestling. 
a man who has been forgotten on the main roster of WWE. We're going to go with Shinsuke Nakamura versus Kota Ibushi for the oh. Intercontinental title. Amazing match. We're going to watch that next week. Can be watched, I believe, on multiple platforms, but we'll be paying for it on New Japan World. You guys excited? So Wrestle Kingdom 9. Wrestle Kingdom 9 from January 4th, 2015. Shinsuke Nakamura versus Kota Ibushi. Fun stuff. All right. Yeah, I can't wait. Right, I can't this is wait. one of those matches that I tell people, like, you know, like, oh, man, do you like, could you recommend some New Japan Pro Wrestling? Yes, this one. <laughs> yes, go watch this, and then you can get caught up. All right, let's move on. Chris, NXT, go ahead. Yes, NXT. <sighs> what to say about NXT? No, NXT, I mean, look. It was fine. We always have we always have a good show with NXT. Um, I've been waiting for this because I actually have a special guest for the uh, NXT. I brought a special guest in to help me review NXT. Okay. So with, without further ado, I brought in the star of last week's NXT, the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. Nice. Chris has today, Chris has the wrestle buddy. Hey, I'm doing okay. <laughs> All, right. All right, this joke's not getting over. Uh, yeah. a little puppeteer. Oh, the puppeteer is going just like that. <laughs> So we got a couple. Actually, this was a pretty good show. Mm -hmm. Um, I really had no low points for it. I mean, you know, we had the million dollar face off. Um, Cameron Grimes and DiBiase are arguing in the ring (laughs) only to bring out my new. I can't believe I was shitting on this guy in the beginning. (laughs) L.A. Knight. Mm -hmm. Um, L.A. Knight comes out and. Basically calls himself Kavorka again and calls everybody in the arena an incel, which is fantastic. Uh, my only knock on it was that it, uh, to me, it it was great. But the fact that they're working with like 12 people in a room, uh, I don't know what was happening, but it looked like it missed the mark mm. with them. It had this like, you had to remember that they were like 12 people in the room clapping. It almost seemed like they were in a full arena and it just wasn't getting over. But I really enjoyed this. Uh, I really like the Cameron Grimes facing off with the Million Dollar Man. That's been kind of fun. Yeah, it's been great. Um, I, I wonder. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess the match we're going to get out of it is L.A. Knight versus Cameron Grimes. Yeah. I just can't wait for L.A. Knight or for Cameron Grimes to lose all his money. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be destitute. And he'll be wearing the same clothes because he's dressed like a bum anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, next. Uh, Frankie Monet. We actually got the Frankie Monet in-ring uh, debut. Yep. It was pretty much a squash match, uh, it was. but it was good to see. Yeah, it was it was good to see her in a ring wearing her thirty thousand dollar Euro robe straight from the catwalks of Paris. <laughs> um, thank you, Brandon. Wade did you Barrett catch any of this? One? I did not. No. Go ahead, Chris. Uh. So I mean, I, it was a squash match. It was it was exactly what you would expect from the ex Taya. Um, I really don't have anything much to say. I was just excited to see her in WWE. Yep, it was a squash um, match. But it was a squash match. Mm-hmm. I did notice they're giving us records. Oh really? Uh, yeah, that. they threw a record out. Um, I think it was Finn Bauer's record. Well, that was different because they're building to. They were building that like it was a big fight. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. But they never really do that. So, right. I, you know, I, and like I said, they're probably not going anywhere with it. They WWE is famous for doing things one time and then never even mentioning it again. Right. If you remember the after the Raw SmackDown split 
when Finn Bauer won the chance to wrestle for the Universal Championship and Roman Reigns lost and they interviewed him immediately on the ramp and it looked like it was a real sporting event mm-hmm. and it was really cool and then they never did it again. Right. So, you know, I mean, I'm sure it's not going anywhere with that. They just threw it in there. Um, but it was the NXT dude leaving formula that they've yeah. always had. Lose your championship, wrestle for it again on TV, lose again, then you're gone. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's all I really had. There was a, a bit... Um, there was a, a, a point where um, Indy Hartwell found herself in a room. Yeah, where was this on? The, I didn't pasted this wasn't with. On, this yeah, wasn't with, on the Hulu version. No, it wasn't, and I I I, I think it might have just been on social media. Okay. Because they've been pretty diligent about keeping up with the storyline of of um, of uh, Indy Hartwell and uh, and uh, Dexter Loomis. So I don't know where this was because they cut it out of the Hulu version, but it made no sense if they if it was on the regular show because they've showed us everything else that's going on with that. So I don't know. I don't know where it was, but she found herself in a room with all pictures of broken hearts and Dexter Loomis with a heart in his chest mm-hmm. that I guess he drew all plasters on the, on the wall. <laughs> She's pawing at them going, no, no. Which was pretty funny. But like I said, I saw it on my phone. I didn't see it on TV. But, I mean, that's all I got for NXT last week. We get uh, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez versus Shanti Blackheart and Ember Moon. Um, oh, you know, I, I didn't for some uh, reason. I watched that Dakota Kai sold the whole match, and then Raquel yeah. Gonzalez interfered and beat her. Yeah. I think this is still creeping its way to Dakota Kai stealing the title from Raquel Gonzalez. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. can't wait for it to happen. Uh, yeah. Bobby Fish and Pete Dunn was whatever, but we knew Bobby Fish was going to lose that, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's why I didn't even – I'm going to be honest with you. I made notes of all that on my phone and then had to get a new phone. And for some reason, when I re-signed into my account, none of that came up, and I had to redo everything. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why I missed all that shit. Sorry about that. And it looks like Bronson Reed and um, Nas Escobar are going to be fighting for the North American title. And it just mm-hmm. – like it's – Bronson Reed now has those two dudes <laughs> that were with Kushida are and now with Bronson yeah. Reed. Yeah. So we're going to do yeah. that again, but just for over the North American title. Was, yeah, and I don't it was know a fine any, show. I thought the main event was a little bit of a letdown. It was fine. I don't know of any uh, other tag teams in in uh, in NXT right now. No, there's that one team that's like fake young bucks. Everise. Everise, yeah. Which I the one kid's last name is Martel, and he kind of looks like Rick Martel, but I can't figure out. No, then you look that up, and it wasn't. Son. I can't. Yeah, I don't yeah, think, I don't it, think is, it is. No. I think but, like, uh, if you look like Rick Martel, your name is now Martel. Yeah, but uh, I that's all I got. I mean, it's it's it doesn't seem like because you know um, Danny Birch is hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, Bobby, they're going singles with Kyle O'Reilly. So I really don't know who else they're going to feud with. Right. You know, unless they're just going to kind of they can always bring people in from uh, from Raw or SmackDown too. They they tend to do that when they they don't have anybody. So right. It was a fine match, or a fine show. All yeah. Right. All right, uh, real quick, I wanted to talk about this because I meant to talk about during Dark Side of the Ring. So I just want to go through some of the topics because I just found out that there's going to be 14 episodes this season, I believe. So the last one we had was The Ultimate Warrior. So the next one's Grizzly Smith, which is going to be fucking horrible, that one. Yeah. Meaning, you know, entertaining but not in a good way. Then we have Dynamite Kid. Then after that, Ion Kriotoru. Do you have any idea who that is? No. I have no idea who this is. I'm not going to spoil it. I'm just going to leave it. It was a Canadian wrestler. 
Then we get the United States versus Vince McMahon, which is, I guess it's steroids. Yeah, it's steroids. We've uh, done to death, I think, at this point. But then we get Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling, FMW. Brandon, you stoked? I'm very stoked. Let's make sure that we uh, plan ahead and have something prepared for that week. We will. I'm uh, I'm very excited. Uh, he's been a couple of my favorite female uh, death new deathmatch girls, including uh, Suzu Suzuki. He's been uh, uh, good old Onita has been mentioning her on so- social media, so I'm hoping we get some some good women's death matches in this fucking Fourth of July show at the fruit market. I cannot wait for the show. It's gonna be so ridiculous. You saying something, Brandon? You're muted. Do we still have any idea, like, how we can watch this? Is it on Flight TV? It's going TV to be streaming, but I'm things? not sure what the platform is. We can definitely get it in the United States, but I haven't seen anything on how to get it yet. I'm definitely going to rent it, for sure. I don't care. How yeah. much could it cost? I want to support Onita. <laughs> That's going to be a thing for the three of us when that happens. Yeah, we'll have to do an entire Looking episode of FMW stuff. I would imagine this is going to coincide. It is actually one, two, three, four weeks away. That's one month. That lines perfectly up with... No, it's actually five weeks away. That's after the show. That's all right. I don't give a shit. I can talk about FMW all the time. I love that fucking shit. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Chris, thoughts on FMW show? I can't wait. Oh, it should be so much fun. Are they doing... Yeah. Miss Mongol has been announced. She's an old FMW. Uh, Is Tiger Jeet Singh going to be there? Motherfucker probably moves worse than uh, Matt Hardy's hips. Nobody, Nobody does. All right, I think that's it. <laughs> Do we have any pay-per-views coming up that we have to or are going to be forced to watch? No, I mean we get we get Drew McIntyre versus Bobby Lashley again. So. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And if hell you guys, himself. If you guys were wondering what's happening in WWE, I quickly scanned through. Um, they had last week they had a um, time match, beat the clock with Nikki Cross and uh, Charlotte. Well, they did it again this week. So it's the same oh fucking God. shit over and over again. Oh, my God. We ain't missing Repeats. shit, man. We will watch the pay-per-view, but that's about it. All right, shall we get out of here? Yeah, can I just say something real quick? Because I, I, no, I just came up late, on my, in, yeah, go ahead. my Instagram feed. So, you know, you know me. Uh, I had a little period in which I was trolling the shit out of Ring of Honor on uh, on Facebook to where yes, I, was yes, their, yes. I would comment once a week, and I was their top fan. Mm-hmm. And then Ring of Honor fans would yell at me, and I would just say, you can't talk to me like that. I'm top fan. And it was really upsetting people. So, uh, you know, th- because of the podcast, I started following in- Impact Wrestling on Instagram. Yes. All right? And this just dawned on me to bring this up. So they had a – on IGTV, I guess they had a um, – it was an IGTV post, and they had Sammy Callahan doing a promo. And I commented because I knew it would upset me. <laughs> I wanted to troll people. Are we supposed to believe this dude is tough? And this was a week ago. Yes. 11 hours ago, somebody responded. (laughs) You ready? Yes. I don't even know. This is just a look into Chris's day to day. (laughs) You ready? You ready? Yes. Yes. Collect yourself. Well, it's just, it's like Ultimate Warrior, but not cool. There we go. Sorry. Pepperidge Farm remembers. Pepperidge Farm remembers Tessa Blanchard prepared. What? Wait. I'm sorry. <laughs> the Pepperidge Farms. 
So if anybody knows, do you know this person? What that means? No, I don't know this person. I'm not going to give them uh, the, the 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 no no. The exposure, I'm not saying their name. The I'm not giving them any exposure to the tens of people. Are, listen, fan base. That's yes. not happening. So yes, I'll repeat this. Pepperidge Farm remembers. Pepperidge Farm remembers. Tessa Blanchard prepared. It sounds like something that the British were saying on BBC radio to let the French underground know that the <laughs> allies were invading Normandy that day. Like, I don't know what this is. So if anybody can help me out, please do. Uh, hold on. If you Google Tessa Blanchard Pepperidge Farms, a, a surprising amount of results come up. But I'm trying to sort, <laughs> really? sort through the, the plot line here. There hold was on. some feud. Someone named Gigi Dolan from at WWE tweeted back at uh, Tessa Blanchard said Tessa Blanchard said hey women try supporting one another cool things happen and then Gigi Dolan said remember publicly putting me down on Twitter last year for something that didn't involve you whatsoever and continuing to drag my name to other people for it Pepperidge Farm remembers you should probably delete this tweet so I don't, I don't, Maybe I don't know if that gets closer to an answer it. but. Oh, my well, accu- accusations of bullying and racism. Well, I know that with Tessa Blanchard. She was N word. She was hard R and all over the place. Hard R. Hard R and all over the fucking place. Oh, what, what the, where this ties into the Pepperidge Farms, I'm I'm very curious. It's pep. It's pep hard R-ing farms. Oh. Oh. Alright, let's get out of here. Yeah, let's do Okay. Right. Thanks for joining us this week and join us here every week at Pepperidge Farm Remembers. Pepperidge Farm Remembers <laughs> Wrestling as Hard Tessa Blanchard Prepared. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Hard Number Four Wrestling. Subscribe and follow. Tell your friends. And for Brandon and Chris, I am Jim. We will be back here next week. <laughs>